Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture and Fandom News. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, but more importantly, I am the member of not one, but two cool kids clubs. <laughs> That's what I'm calling them now. <laughs> and this is a crossover of those clubs. So not only do I have other podcast hosts on, but I have other members of the cool kids clubs. So we have... The sexy ladies, Carla and Meg, and I'm a sexy lady. Yes. And they're also the hosts of Bedwetter Behead Pod. No woos for that, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we didn't want to come across as like, you know, too into ourselves. But honestly, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, frankly, I was kind of hoping you guys would woo for us, you know, instead of wooing for ourselves. But that's cool. It's fine. It's fine. I didn't want. I didn't want to take the moment from you guys, but yes, woo! <laughs> the moment. <laughs> I don't know. I had nothing, so I was like, <laughs> and then also on, and this may be the last time all three of these lovely <laughs> women are on a podcast with me when I go to edit. No. <laughs> Given our time, um, is my pod, my lovely podcast brain twin Jen from my streaming bubble, and Jen is also a member of the Wild Women of Podcasting, which Woo. we. Sorry, that was early. <laughs> no, I was going to woo too, but I was muted, so like I belated. <laughs> I was just impressed by like the last. I know. Woo! Like the cowgirl Jen energy coming out really took me. <laughs> That was what oh. I was reacting to. Oh, God. <laughs> I was shocked as well. <laughs> it's my Pepsi. Oh, my teeny tiny Pepsi is kicking in. What is teeny tiny? Aw. I have big girl Diet Coke. Yeah, this is this is the perfect content for a podcast right now. <laughs> uh, but I'm very excited to have all three of these amazing women on. And since I'm a member of two of the cool clubs, I know, I know Carla is too, but still, since I'm a member of two of the cool clubs, I'm hosting this podcast. I think I'm the leader of all the cool clubs. There we go. No argument from anyone. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start like we always do with Carla. We always start with Carla, no matter if she's on here or not. (laughs) And that is as it should be, might I add. (laughs) 
Even like, the ones when Carla's not on, I go, so Carla, what are you into right now? <laughs> I feel like pretty soon it's going to be like, you're just going to get a little voice memo from Carla, and it's going to be her opinions on whatever topic. Don't think I haven't considered it. If she's not on, if she's not podcasting, you can just get like a five-minute recording from Carla with all her thoughts about it. You think I'm kidding? Like, I've come close to it so many times in like the the Carla hiatus uh, a few weeks back. Surprised it hasn't happened. Surprised it isn't happening Honestly. now. <laughs> Aaron, just say the word and I'll do it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> just begin every episode with Carla's diatribe. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go on a bunch of tangents already, uh, we already have gone on 10. We haven't even started. So, Carla, in all seriousness, <laughs> what what is rocking your sexy wild boat today? Well, my sexy wild boat is being rocked by beginnings and endings. Because just as all shows must begin... <laughs> They also must end, or at least their seasons do, unless you're a soap opera and then it goes on indefinitely and then you can never get rid of them and Jesus Christ, why? But the show that has come back to me is Single Drunk Female on Hulu, and it's a show that I fell in love with last year. It had its first season. It's hilarious, but it also has a lot of heart, and it's about, guess what? A single female person who is at this point formerly drunk because she is now uh quite a many days sober and she is she has moved up in the AA world and she's helping greet people and helping people feel welcome to the to the meetings and she's doing well in her life but what does the future hold because um last season we saw somebody that she cared about very much relapse so it's like the, it left off on a very um emotional note and I'm very excited to see where it goes from here. The acting is fantastic. And like I said, it's very funny, very touching. Ali Sheedy is in it, and she really, like, steals so many scenes. I love her. And then the show that is leaving, but only temporarily, at least um, until we find out whether it's been renewed, is Not Dead Yet, which is a, which is a show on a major network, which is probably ABC, I'm going to say. I don't know. It's one of those. And it stars Gina Rodriguez. And even though she's in it, other people are in it. And she does not make me want to throw up. And the show is really funny. It has great, great moments. It's about a woman who sees, um, she sees dead people, but she doesn't have like a Haley Joel Osment kind of thing going on, or it's like she's freaked out by it. She is at first, but then she rolls with it. And these, these people help her. Um, move on through difficult phases in, in her life. It's, it's, it's a really interesting, good show. It has a character who's, who's autistic, who's actually autistic. Like the actor is actually autistic, which I think is so very important for representation. So yeah, it just had a season finale and it was so good. It was really lovely. Oh, and also Lauren Ash from Superstore, who played Dina, is in this show in a character who's completely different from Dina, but also very similar to her. And she knocks <laughs> it out of the park. And Hannah Simone is in it too for all of you New Girl fans. Meg. What I you? love New Girl. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like no. Meg is the, the oldest New Girl fan I've ever known. The oldest yeah. New Girl fan? <laughs> I, like, I don't even think I'm... I'm the youngest person in this <laughs> podcast right now. 
But she's already, still yet the oldest new girl. She's the oldest, <laughs> most decrepit beast. I was just saying, she may be falling apart, but she loves this show. I thought you were just saying Meg, like, it's okay now you can speak. <laughs> it's not even it's not Meg's turn. It's not even my turn that part at all. <laughs> Well, Carla's practically. Can you welcome you guys as your new, your new host, Carla. No, I am still host of my podcast. I do all the hard work. It's gonna be a single white female situation. That no, was very like. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay, so Chen, what are you into right now? Oh, well, several things. I wrote down several things and I was like, all right, I'll narrow it down when it's time. So I have narrowed it down to watching the Attack on Titan anime with uh, my oldest son. He's read all the mangas several times. And it's kind of it was one of those where he wanted to watch it for a while and we weren't sure we hadn't seen it. So we weren't sure like how violent it was. But at the same time, we're like, well, he read the manga. So he's seen it all <laughs> and i asked twitter and twitter did some parenting and they said go ahead and, <laughs> and do it <laughs> so i i watched a couple of episodes with them just to kind of get a feel for it and i am super hooked it is so good i am just i haven't watched like animes in a really really long time so i'm so far removed and i just kind of have been enjoying like the animation the storytelling and like this show has a lot of kind of like twists and turns that I, I don't see coming. I don't know if I'm just not paying attention or I don't want to see them or if they're just really that good. But the number of times I've like loud gasped and had to refrain from just yelling like, what the fuck in front of my kid <laughs> has been <laughs> numerous. And so that's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun pausing the show and asking him questions since he's read the books to kind of help fill some stuff in. And he's doing a really good job explaining it without giving too many spoilers for things we haven't gotten to yet. And it's just been, it's been a nice mother son binge watching quality time together. <laughs> Mama's tired. So yes, let's watch 14 episodes of Attack on Titan. <laughs> So it's been so that's what I'm like really into. We're like on the final season and I'm just like he's, he spent the night at a friend's the other night. So no more episodes for me for the rest of the day. And I'm just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what happens next? <laughs> you know how I get. <laughs> no, I know. Total exaggeration. <laughs> Meg. Yes. What have you been into lately? Well, right now, I was going to say two, but that's fine. No, right now I'm into uh, Queen Charlotte. So little Bridgerton pre prequel, I guess, about uh, Queen Charlotte and King George and how they got married and like that story. And it's I have two episodes left and it's really good. Like I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I do. It's really interesting to see how, like, the great experiment starts and the reasons behind it. Lady Danbury is fantastic, both as a young woman and, of course, as the Lady Danbury that we know from Bridgerton. Um, And it's also extremely heartbreaking because we know 
where this ends for these two people. We're watching this love story and we know how heartbreaking and tragic it ends. So there's that little bittersweet sheen over all of it. And that's like, yes, give me that pain because I am a slut for angst. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, and the thing I'm watching with my kid is Daisy Jones and the Six. So, but I'm really, I'm enjoying Queen Charlotte a lot more than I thought I was going to. And it's really scratching that Bridgerton itch until season three comes out. Give us our pollen. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm done. So what I'm into is there is a new movie on Hulu called Clock. Uh, this is a horror movie. And I want to just really stress that this is a horror movie and that this, if you have had any trauma surrounding birth, trauma surrounding anything like that, it might also be traumatic in that area too. So just a heads up on that. But this is a movie um, about a character, Ella, played by Diana Agron, Aragon, sorry, who um, she goes to a place run by Dr. Elizabeth Simmons, this retreat, who played by Melora Hardin. This is a very different role for Melora Hardin. And she goes there to have her biological clock fixed because she doesn't want to have kids, has never wanted to have kids. Uh, she goes to a... Um, she goes to have a checkup and her doctor says, um, well, everybody's clock, every woman has a biological clock and yours just must be broken. And But every woman basically wants to have children, but yours is just broken. So she goes there and all this horrific stuff happens. She finds out all this stuff involving her husband, played by Jay Alley, and also something, there's also a storyline involving her dad played by Saul Rubinek. And the reason I'm recommending this as someone who has decided they aren't going to have children as a woman in this society, it is incredibly difficult to be a woman in society. If you decide you're not going to have children and the way that this character Ella is treated is the way a lot of women are treated. She's it opens. She's at a baby shower and she doesn't want to touch the the woman who's pregnant. Is like touch, touch. You can feel the baby kicking. She's like, I really don't have any interest in touching it. And they give her crap about that. Uh, they say, what your life is useless if you don't have children. You're going to change your mind and then you're going to get too old because she's in her thirties. And the doctor says. It's going to be your and the geriatric period of your life. So I, what I really appreciated about this movie is, and it's because it's written and directed by a woman, is it's so completely and totally honest about that pressure that women feel from society, from other women, from men, when they decide they're not going to have children. And I also want to just say, if you know anyone who's not going to have children, number one, don't pressure them to understand why, because there are mi millions of different reasons why women decide not to have children. Number two, don't automatically assume they're selfish, because it doesn't necessarily mean they're selfish. And three, don't tell tell a woman, oh, well, you will change your mind eventually. All women say that, but you will eventually change your mind and you're going to want to have children, because that can actually be very hurtful and so, and your sole purpose as a woman on this planet is not to procreate as it's, as the doctor, 
the female doctor in here says. That is that I mean, she says it is your job, but it, I'm telling you that's not your job as a woman. So I just really am really recommend it. It's a very hard watch though. It's a very emotional, very hard, very, very hard to watch movie. Um, but I do recommend it. Just go in knowing that it's going to, it might be traumatic to watch. So, uh, but once again, that is on Hulu and I do recommend it with those caveats attached. And the lead performance is incredible too. I want to, want to add that too. And Melora Harden is really good too. She's creepy as hell, but she's good. Okay. So we're going to move on now to one thing in pop culture or fandom that is making you very happy or pissing you off, Carla. I'm actually having a non-angry week in fandom. I'm having a perfectly good time, a jolly good time, um, in part because of the nominations for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, including somebody who I think is long overdue, which is Missy Elliott. I don't know how she has been overlooked for so long. It's, it's, I mean, I, I do know. I mean, she's a dark skinned black woman. So like that, that kind of tells it all right there. But she's somebody who has been so instrumental in moving, you know, hip hop so far forward and propelling women to the forefront of hip hop and rap and her, her visual storytelling has been just stunning from the beginning. Uh, people have copied elements of her videos and we, we, we wouldn't have like the, a lot of, of the visual elements that, that define like the nineties and, and, um, early two thousands in video without what she brought to it. Um, she's also been an inspiration for so many other, other artists and I just, I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. And because he is my all time favorite singer and he sadly passed away much too young, George Michael is also in the performer category as an inductee for this year. Um, there are other people who are, you know, stunningly great and whatever, but George Michael and if you go back and it's a fandom things, Fandom Thing Pod's history, you will hear an episode that Aaron did about George Michael that I'm in along with, with Jesse from a 5,000 podcasts that he, he participates in. <laughs> but we talk about how much George Michael means. So I'll, I'll keep it brief there with the George Michael thing, but go back to listen to that so I can, so you can hear like hours of me just squealing about George Michael. But yeah, like that's the big deal for me. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame finally inducting um, Missy Elliott and George Michael. Awesome. Yeah, that was also a live stream. So you can also watch it on our YouTube channel if you want to, too, for the for the George Michael episode. And so. you should because we dressed up for it. Oh, that's right. You you and you and Jesse did. Yeah. But it is a good episode. It's a fun episode. So go back and, and listen. It's one of our more most popular music episodes we've done. So I definitely recommend listening to it. I, I And yes, I was very excited about that too. And Jen, something coming up in fandom or pop culture that has you excited or angry? Well, I'm 
I'm excited to start Queen Charlotte because it, I knew it was coming. I had forgotten the date and then it, bam, it was there on like Netflix the other night. And I was like, oh my God, I have pod prep though. So I'm like, I'm going to burn through my pod prep. <laughs> and so I'm hoping I can start that tonight, but I've, I've watched like the trailer and the autoplay so many times. And all I could say, I'm just like, I'm like, Meg, I'm like, I am a slut for this shit. Give it to me now. So I am so excited to start that. I can't wait to talk to you about it in your bubble in two years. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we'll stick with that one. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. It's been mentioned twice. So, Meg, what are you excited about or upset about? You know, I'm not really super excited or upset. I've had a pretty even, mellow week as far as fandom stuff goes, and I think I can attribute that to being obsessed with Merge Mansion, the the game, and spending all my time doing that instead of going on social media, if I'm being totally honest. I'm very cool. Um, <laughs> I've been playing Homescapes, and I got super sucked into that. Now I'm stuck on a hard level, and I'm like, now I have to join a thing and get lot Anyway, yes, Merge I Mansion understand. Merge spent all of their advertising money on one Pedro Pascal commercial, and that was it. <laughs> that was, I was like, you know what? This hot detective has has a point. I'm going to go and... So that's what I've been doing aside. So, but that's not my little pig. It's just, it's, it's just sad is what it is. But 911 being canceled at Fox and moving to ABC in its seventh season. It's not like, I'm not mad or excited. I'm like, it was just like a, huh? Like, I know. Lone, Lone Star is still going to be at Fox. And season seven and whatever's next is going to be on ABC. Um, my guess is because, well, the assumption is that it just became too expensive for Fox to be able to produce it with Angela Bassett and Peter Krause and like some big names. And it's in the seventh season, um, which means it's just more. And it's not nearly apparently Christian enough <laughs> to be on Fox News, unlike Lone Star. <laughs> Which I don't watch. I don't watch uh, Lone Star. But my excitement for that is, fingers crossed, this means we won't have to deal with any more crossovers because I don't want to have to watch Lone Star to know what the hell is happening in my 911 show. This isn't the Chicagoland universe, which was a nightmare to try. Like, I started watching for Hot Firefighters and then suddenly I had to watch six different series to understand what was happening. And I had a chart of when I was supposed <laughs> to watch different... It was awful. It was it was the most horrific thing. And I'm hoping against hope because 911 is... So yeah, I guess I am excited. Oh. <laughs> it might be sad to hear that people are hoping that there will be a crossover between uh, 911 and The Rookie. Because now that they're both own, they're both in the same network, but and they're both set in LA, so um, you have I don't want to catch up on Meg. No, <laughs> <laughs> I only want crossovers of shows I already watch both of the shows. <laughs> Otherwise, you have no business. It was like Bones and Sleepy Hollow crossing over. That was the weirdest situation in the whole world. Way back. Oh. But I watched Sleepy Hollow and Bones, so I was like, okay, this is fine. It just made zero sense. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> Crossovers apparently grinds my gears this week in fandom. <laughs> you, 
You know what's so funny about that? I watched 911 because I started watching it to, because we covered it last year. Go back and listen to our episode or watch the live stream. You. <laughs> and and well, and what was so funny about that is that you, I was, I was like, I'm going to hate this show, and I ended up really loving the shows, which really aggravated and annoyed the crap out of me <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to get into that, but I was so hooked on it, and and I'm like. And again, cursing Ryan Murphy, as I often do. <laughs> and what's funny is I have never watched a single one of the crossover ones, and I don't feel like I'm missing anything. So when you said the charts, I'm like, I must be missing something because that's a, <laughs> like, that's I, a different that's a different show and universe. This was like oh, that was for Chicago, the Chicago, Chicago, oh, okay. Chicago Fire, okay, Chicago PD, Chicago okay. like the okay. Chicago Med. They did like a lawyer one for a half a oh. second. And it was it's it's just insane. So now they have massive event nights where you have to watch four hours of television in the it's it's awful. It's the okay. it's awful. Trying to catch up on that show is a nightmare. <laughs> okay. I thought you meant the nine one one thing. So okay, so never mind then. Forget that then. I don't feel like I'm missing something then. Because um, <laughs> I'm not gonna watch that other one. So okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny to me that they move it from Fox that cancels shows all the time. Mm -hmm. They're no, they are known for it to ABC that, as Tiff calls them, always be canceling because that's what they do. So they move it to another <laughs> network that cancels shows, but it's, I don't think it's going to get canceled, but it's just so funny to me that it's like it goes from one network that cancels all the time and is known for that to another network. Well, it's because the, it's the studio, I think, that it's both. It's, but it's just funny. Well, it's absolutely it's just funny. ridiculous. It's, it's, the, it's the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. But, you know, the mouse has that money. The mouse can mm. afford to pay for Angela Bassett and Peter Krause. <laughs> and as a little preview, the mouse can pay, can afford to pay their flipping writers as a preview. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, but what I'm upset about, and I will probably get loads of hate for this because most people disagree on this. I watched Scream 6 on Friday and I hated this movie. Hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. it. It made me actually dislike the franchise briefly. I'm like, I need to go back and watch the earlier ones to like the, this series again. <laughs> They're doing the scream face. Number one, moving it to New York. I understand you're trying to pump in fresh new blood, whatever. <laughs> moving it to New York is number the first strike against this. Number two... They these people don't care about the original hearts of the franchise except for kind of linking it in this way that I won't spoil to the other ones, to the other killers, but I won't spoil that. Uh Courtney Cox is in here, a little bit Gail Weathers is in here, but like an afterthought, it's what it felt like. I don't care about any of these new characters. And it's not, and that's not a slide on the actors, because I think the actors are great. I just don't care about these characters. The voice work for Ghostface in this was so bad to me. I don't know. It didn't sound like Ghostface to me. And I'm sure it's the same person, but it did not sound like Ghostface. And, um, you know, I mean, the kills are a lot more over the top and a lot gorier, which is kind of playing into what this is supposed to be. And that doesn't bother me. It's just, I didn't care. I wasn't scared. I wasn't invested in this. Of course, screen movies very rarely scare me, but um, I just, I, I didn't care about it. I absolutely hated it. I think it's one of the worst horror movies I've seen in a long time. And also, and um, 
you know, this can, this, you know, kind of plays into our last topic. The fact that Nev Campbell isn't in this and the fact that Sydney is not in this because they wouldn't pay her what she's fucking worth because they won't pay women the same as they'll pay men is so absolutely disgusting to me because I'm sorry, but a scream movie without Sydney to me is not a scream movie. So to me, this is not a scream movie. It doesn't feel like it. It should have been called something else. And it really pissed me off because I love this franchise. I didn't like scream five either, but that one I kind of forgave. But this one, I just, oh, I hated this. And a lot of people love this. So I know I'm in the minority here. Some people have called this one of the best Scream movies ever made. So I know I am in the minority on this one. I just didn't care. And the twist, I didn't care at all. And one other thing, Dermot Mulroney gives one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a horror movie. In <laughs> the end of my rant, I just... Oh, I enjoyed every second of that. <laughs> hey, Aaron, more like Scream sucks, right? Right? Ah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so in end of end of my rant there on Scream Six. So so I apologize, but but Jen, you enjoyed my rant or you enjoyed the movie? Oh, I enjoyed the rant. I haven't seen I haven't seen a Scream movie since I think the third one. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I wasn't super I wasn't super impressed with two and three. I think two was okay, but two and three definitely blend together for me. So that's how much they stand out in my mind. But I do love that first one. I love the first one. I, I really, really like the second one a lot. I don't like the third one very much. I used to hate the fourth one, and then I liked it when I rewatched it. Not a fan of the fifth. And this one, as you could tell, will go down in history is one of the worst horror movies for me ever. <laughs> I gave it one star on Letterboxd, and so I'm sure people are going to just... <laughs> They're coming for you. <laughs> I can't help it. It's like, to me, it's... Uh... But yeah, that Dermot Moroni performance. Somebody please tell me what 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 was the director telling him to do because that was oh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. I wanted to just <clears throat> Okay. So before I do get a bunch of people yelling at me even more, we're going to move on to our main topic. And the second it was announced that the writers guild was striking, I knew this this had to be our main topic. I mentioned this a couple weeks back as um, something that I was anticipating was going to happen. And as I said then, and as I say now, we fully support the Writers Guild uh, East and West because they create the stuff we love and we talk about on this show and they deserve to be paid what they're worth. Writers are treated really crappily anyway. So they're kind of, you know, bottom of the totem pole as far as like, some of that, I mean, I know a lot of the IHC and the Teamsters and stuff, sometimes they're treated even worse, but I'm just saying their writers are not respected. So I wanted to talk about that and go over why it is important that they're striking, why it's important to support the writers. And then we're also going to talk about the fact that if you're not aware, the Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild, their contracts are up in about a month or two. There is a lot of talk that they could be striking too. And if they strike too, everything will grind to a halt. I mean, a lot of stuff is already grinding to a halt, like they stopped filming Stranger Things, all this stuff, because, you know, a big reason is because they need writers there to do 
you know, to work, do workups. Another reason is Teamsters will never cross picket lines. So if there's a picket line, they will never cross it. Um, and so if you don't have them there, sometimes that interferes. Sometimes other people are like, I'm not going to cross the picket line. So you're going to start seeing that. And if that happens, we aren't going to have any entertainment. And that's fine because the reason they're striking is because a lot of it is to do with streaming and streaming platforms and how entertainment has changed. So Carla, I know everybody here supports the Writers Guild. So I'm not going to ask you, do you support this? No. <laughs> I support the studios getting all the intellectual property that they want for what is nothing. wrong with people tr- wanting to be rich? Like AI America, is going to take over everything anyway. So and why make things bother? better than these fake writers? <laughs> Chat GPT is that what it is? <laughs> so, so Carla, though, what are your actual thoughts? <laughs> I mean, obviously, just the unbelievable, unbridled greed that it just the nerve of these people trying to keep so much money for themselves through the pandemic, when, you know, streaming just shot up into the stratosphere because people, you know, weren't going out, people were were um, at home discovering a lot of new stuff on television through streaming services the people who benefited were people who already had tons of cash in their pocket. Meanwhile, writers who are uh, locked into these not so great contracts, because part of, 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 um, of the issue is that some of the contracts were the language for them is very old. So back when these contracts were set up streaming as it were, was just like clips on YouTube and, you know, ads and smaller things. It wasn't taking into account the growth of streaming as we know it today, which is Netflix original content, HBO, excuse me, Max original content, <laughs> um, every like giant network and television show that, um, primarily streams its content or streaming only. That's how these studios are getting their content out and yet they haven't modified the contracts for the writers to reflect that and they refuse to do so it's not even that they were just like mm, you know what maybe if we you know they were just like no we're not doing it there was a graphic going around about from the the writers union showing the concessions <laughs> that the studios were willing to make and I'm laughing because they were not concessions they were like you know like little pennies that they're throwing at them. And as we know, pennies are not even worth the material that is used to make them. What they're, what the studios are saying basically is we don't care. We just don't care. And all this talk about AI replacing writers. Come on. That it's a huge insult. And I know that it's only a matter of time, realistically, before AI becomes more competitive as far as what it can do versus what humans can do. That is always, this is part of why sci-fi has so much fodder of AI taking over the world because it is feasible. It is possible and it is likely. So it's, it, it's not an impossible thing to say that, oh, AI can never replicate what a human can do. Current AI cannot replicate what a human can do. In the future, it might, but that is not a good thing. 
That is not a good thing. And I will say it again. That is not a good thing. Replacing people with AI is not acceptable because people want to create. People want to put these ideas out there, create worlds for all of us to lose ourselves in. It's one thing if, you know, if we lived in a world where everybody had a universal basic income, where we had um, healthcare that we could rely on, if we had affordable housing, or even as it should be, housing as a default, that everybody should have access to a place to live and to food to eat and to healthcare. If in that world, people didn't have to work in like a factory or, you know, just something like that, and you could could automate it with AI, absolutely. I think that would that would be great and it would make sense. It would free up people to live fuller lives and to have a better work-life balance. But in creative endeavors, I think AI is always the wrong answer because you're taking something fundamental away from humanity, which is creativity and sharing creativity. AI, just because it is, you know, uh, creating things in a way, it's taking things from the people have created and making an amalgam of that. And sorting things into things that kind of make sense for it and then, you know, putting it out there. It does not replace human beings. It does not elevate art, as so many people say. So many people out there are saying, you know, AI is only going to make art better. No, it's only going to automate AI. And that's not a good thing. Art is not a matter of, uh, of bites. It's a matter of a human feeling coming out in a way that is expressed and then shared. So that's my AI portion of this rant. But just the fact that people can't stop looking at their bank accounts and wanting more, how much more do you need? How much more does anybody need? Everybody out there, go read the the Tolstoy story, How Much Land Does a Man Need?, I don't want to spoil it for you. So cover your ears, Tolstoy wannabe fans, if you don't want to hear the answer. Um, it's a great story, by the way. You should check it out. But if, you know, three seconds to cover your ears. One, two, three. How much land does a man need? Six feet from his head to his feet. Now, people have gotten taller, but that's not my problem. That's a <laughs> funeral home's problem. The point is that you don't need... <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, I didn't make the caskets. Um Sorry. Uh, people don't need seven yachts and five vacation houses. People don't need to have millions and millions in their bank accounts and to have high-end suits and designer shoes. You just need enough to live. And the rest, you should be sharing. So all of these profits should be shared. And this is exactly why trickle-down economy does not work. Because clearly, these people will not only not share it, but they will hoard it and gatekeep people from money that they should be earning because their work is what makes everything possible. And the future strikes that I believe are coming are righteous and they are valid. And I don't think any one of these executives who does not put in nearly as much blood, sweat and tears into creative endeavors as the people who are getting paid pennies on the dollar, I don't think those people deserve a dime. Like they can rot, eat the rich. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes. And, and Jen. So I will basically, okay. 
admittingly, I don't know a whole hell of a lot of what's going on, but from the like articles and tweets that you've shared and I've seen and kind of filling in some of those, those gaps for myself, I, it doesn't like none of this, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Renegotiating contracts because times have changed makes total fucking sense. The fact that they're not willing. It's just, and it's just the greed. That's all it boils down to. And it is so utterly frustrating. And I, I cannot believe that even today in 2023, writers are still treated so poorly and they're looked down upon. It's so fucked up in my mind because they are the reasons why we are here and why we talk. Yes. Directors, actors, they all contribute. Yes. But how can they put on a story for us if there's no story that's been written. And that's why writers, I think, need to be valued and elevated to clearly a much higher level. And when I found out that they are like treated like bottom of the barrel, they're not allowed like on set to help with input and everything for these storylines, these characters that they fucking wrote and created, and they don't get to have a say in any of the final product is utter bullshit. They're why we're here. We're the, they're the reason why we're just like, man, I didn't see that twist coming. Oh, that was such great storytelling. Yes, the director, again, they all play a role. But without the fucking stories, there's nothing. And no, how many times, like, on all of the podcasts, we've been like, oh, that writing was phenomenal. That's just a sign of great writing. That character development, that growth that you see, that's all the writers, so I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was going to get so fucking angry about this, <laughs> but it just, it's because it boggles my mind. My mind is a boggle cube. Like with all the little things in there, it's <laughs> shooken, shaken up the pieces have landed and nothing makes sense. Not even the word no is in there. Nothing makes sense. It's so fucking stupid. Pay the writers, give them what they need, give them what they want, treat them like they should be treated. These people are valuable. They're why we're here. Uh, and I don't want to go through another Heroes season two or a My Name's Earl in the coma season. What the fuck? Earl shouldn't have been. Uh, anyways, so <laughs> we know where this can lead. And the fact that we didn't learn shit from 2007. We saw that happen. And I just hit my thing. And <laughs> I'm getting all worked up. <laughs> Anyways, history repeating itself. We're not going to fucking learn anything. I think Carla's right. I think there's going to be plenty more because the greed runs so fucking deep. And it's I'm actually even so surprised that it's the strike has gone on this long that the greedy are holding firm and haven't caved to uh, social media pressures because uh, it seems like everybody is team writers guild at this point like for whatever reason i don't know anyone that's like yay fuck them who i don't talk to me <laughs> <laughs> i think that's it i'm just i wrote i have like five bullet points that i like <laughs> quickly angrily typed out earlier and i think i hit them all so um but yes basically everything seems reasonable and it i cannot stand this level of fucking selfishness and greed taking place right before our eyes. It's happening in real time. And that is the most fucked up thing I've seen today. And I watched a bullshit fluffer episode of Star Trek. So <laughs> I, <laughs> it just, none of it makes sense to me. So <laughs> pay them. Jesus. That was, 
That was that was a wonderful, <laughs> amazing, amazing rant that every screenwriter writer I know would love to have framed and, <laughs> and sent out to people too. I'm I'm serious because you, you know when 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 I went to film school and I was in screenwriting classes, the one of the one of the main things they would tell you is the only way you are going to get to be on that set or get the respect is become a producer or a director and that's it. Otherwise, once you've written that, say bye-bye and it's no you no longer, you know, people not even people in the movie or the show, usually more so in the screenwriting the movie side, but won't even know who you are. So, you're not, so it's like so you're taught that. So, thank you Jen for that amazing beautiful <laughs> rant. I just want to share it with every screenwriter. It makes no sense. And then one of my favorite protest signs and I've seen several and they're all great, but Quinta Brunson's uh, an AI cannot write Tariq's rap and I swear to god, if it gets to that point, I'm going to go around and flip every fucking table I find. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Thank you. So. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to follow that, if I'm being totally honest. So there are some people who are like, well, there's lots of plenty of scripts and stuff like that, and AI will yeah. just do it and it'll be fine, and who needs writers anymore anyway? Quit your complaining. I have seen that. I have seen uh, that. They're usually middle-aged to. men with those, you know, those sunglasses. You know what yep. I mean. Yeah. Right? Car sunglasses. Middle-aged white man with the sunglasses sitting in their truck. That's normally who's doing it. I'm, they're all bots, I'm sure. It's all AI. But here's the thing with my, for me, with AI. The only way AI works is if you feed it already created and written words. AI does not create. It takes what is already created, mm-hmm. mashes it together, and puts it into something else. And the writers who wrote that don't get paid for their scripts being used to create this AI. And frankly, this is a fun, this is a business tip with Meg. Just out here. If you can't afford to pay your fucking employees, you do not deserve to be in business. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Writing is the backbone of everything we consume. Music, mm-hmm. our television, our movies, fucking podcasts that we listen to, they are written. Human beings have to create. That is one of the most, that's what makes us uniquely human is this desire to create and that will never go away and the whole ai thing i'm sorry it's just bullshit chat you like i sent i sent some folks the ai beer commercial oh my god that thing is <laughs> that was the creepiest thing i have <laughs> I ever pretty seen sure sent it, to all so three. <laughs> it was so creepy it's so scary oh my god <laughs> yeah it was just like it was bizarre but it was it was amazing um but i think what there there is a big difference between what happened in 2007 and what is going on right now mm-hmm. um networks are not nearly the thing that they were in 2007 and i thought one of the most unique things one of the things i loved so much about the office the tv show obviously not where i work is the fact that almost every actor on that show was a writer the writers were always there and Steve Carell was probably one of the only people who weren't a writer, who wasn't a writer on that show, him and John Krasinski, I think. But his, like, The Office was probably, I think, in 2007 was the first production to shut down because Steve Carell was like, absolutely not. I am not doing, doing nothing. And that power of that stardom really kind of helped propel that. And I think you can tell the quality 
with The Office, when you have writers in the room, when you have writers in there to talk about continuity and storylines, they deserve to be there. They're like, writers know their characters. And yes, actors, directors, everyone a part of the production, they're all important. They all have their role to play. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> Frankly, the only people who don't have a place in any of this are the fucking suits at the top. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're in the business of making money. They're not in the business of creation. And that's where I feel like there's just such a disparity between what's going on with the studio heads and what's going on with the creatives. And I hope the DGA and the SAG um, members strike. I hope so. Will it be yeah. shitty for mm-hmm. me as like a little Joe Schmo person who just wants to watch her stories? Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? It has to inconvenience people. The yes. whole point, like, I feel like people who are like, I don't understand. Why are they so mad? Da, 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 da. This, like, the whole point of a strike, the whole point of a protest is to be an inconvenience. The whole point is to stop everything and show your importance and show your value and your worth. And writers deserve so much more than they've been giving given so much more money the whole idea that they get paid once for their script regardless of how many times people watch it like that's even worse than what it was previously when you could get residuals from syndication and stuff like that and even those are, are like pennies on the <laughs> pennies for writers but the idea that you write a script, you get paid one time for it, and if three people see it, or three million people see it, or 300 million people see it, you get the same amount of money. And you better shut up about it and be happy about it because someone else is right there to take your place. And it's, it's infuriating. It's so frustrating. And you, and I mean, we've all seen shit that's poorly written. We have all, we have all lived through the 2007 writer strike when they're like, oh, well, the writers are gone. Here's this script from a slush pile. We're just going to throw that on TV and we're not going to have anyone there in post-production to write. Like you, people do not seem to understand how integral writers are to every aspect of it from creating the script and creating characters. To, like I said, continuity to post production and be like, hey, this is what you need to do to make the story make sense. And yeah, we've all seen bad writing. Aaron just went on a rant about bad writing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I did? Oh, yes. You sure (laughs) did. <laughs> and everyone gets a chance to yell today. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're just they're asking for so little and that's what is makes me so fucking mad. They're asking for like, "Hey, could you, you know, pay us while we're working?" And the studio's like, "No." And the whole idea where Carol uh, Lombardini is saying that writers are lucky to have term employment it makes me so angry. And here's a fun story, though, because they're talking about we can't afford it. You know, we just we just can't afford it. We're struggling so much. Never mind the profits. We're struggling. We can't do it. Um, and this is a fun little fact I found. The thousands of writers on strike who are <laughs> they're asking for roughly the same amount of money that Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav took home last year alone. That's how much they're asking for is how much one executive took home. What the fuck? 
This is disgusting. It's horrifying. These people are vultures who took advantage and preyed upon people, especially during the pandemic, and preyed upon people's desperation to work and to get any income coming in. Because you can write at home. You can be safe at home writing during a pandemic. And they are just bleeding them dry. And every single person who consumes media in any form should be on the writer's side. I don't care. Like, there, you should be, because without them, you do not have shit. You don't even have reality TV without writers. And I do want to just clear something up. Let's not blame 2007 for the reality TV boom. Like, we've talked about this. The real world came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. So, yep, if you don't yeah. like reality TV, join my little club of me who doesn't like reality TV, but shut the fuck up. Just, <laughs> like, there's so much to watch. <laughs> And even reality TV has writers, all right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, it's not real. I'm getting so angry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Spoilers. It's not real. And that's as much... I, I don't think I got the energy of Jen's rant, but I, I don't... No, you did. You did. You, everyone has that energy. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. And Carlos' I, eloquence is Jen's nice. rage yeah. and me just like, oh, fucking no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um and and i and i want to and i also just really want to mention especially if sag and uh the dga go on strike san diego comic-con is coming up in in july and i know people who have tickets to go but i want you to know that if that does we we will not cover that because they will be there the writers guild is going to go out there and strike and that's one of the biggest, biggest places that huge, huge studios promote their stuff. And so I know people spend a lot of money and that is like a huge thing for them. But if somebody has a picket line there and they're asking you not to cross that picket line, please don't. I just, I mean, I know it's a, I know how much that thing means to everybody, but you, that will show, that will send a humongous message if, People don't go and watch those panels. And and granted, if if all of those guilds strike, there's not going to be anybody there to do these panels except for producers. So it's like, oh, see, but that's kind of what I would love. Please, please, please send the studio heads for a Q and A in Hall H. Oh my god, <laughs> I just be a big old head oh. hunt witch hunt. <laughs> nerds with their pitchforks like actual pitchforks no <laughs> now, i have flashbacks though to that one person after charlie was killed on supernatural asking uh who the fuck was it the showrunner at the time like in in the world where there's so much misogyny and women characters are so treated so terribly what made you decide that killing charlie was a good idea and all of the cast just sit back and they're like wash their hands and make the showrunner answer this <laughs> really if you haven't seen it it's a fantastic clip and just to watch all of the actors just be like fuck you i'm not touching this so that's all that yeah, I would love I would love <laughs> to just see studio executives have to answer questions from fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So but I, I just want to put that out there to other podcasters and other people to cover that that are covering that too. to if you are out there, and you're covering it, maybe cover it by talking to the protesters and not not going into these things and covering that. And so I just want to put that out there and that's i that's a couple months away but i really do think they're probably still going to be striking at that point is what i and i have a feeling other guilds don't cross don't cross a picket line guys 
Yeah, no matter what. But anyway, um, so I did want to add a couple of, of things here. And I did want to add some some statistics and then point to a couple of really good articles, to a tweet thread to read and a good article to read as well. The article will infuriate you. But um, I this is this one is from LA Times. Um, and this is written by... Anusha Sukui, I'm at, at, from May 2nd, 2023. So this is a while ago, but I just wanted to go over a little bit of just a st- t- statistic here because the big thing is that, um, you know, with the residuals, um, that was a lot of that, that, that's a, the residuals are how a lot of writers lived because you'd get that one pay and then you would get the residuals once a, a show, especially when it, when it went to syndication. So every once in a while you get a check and it might be a huge check. It might be a small check. You'd never know. It could be a check that could cover someone's mortgage or it could be a check that would just pay for food, a dinner that night or something like that. You never knew. And it was like this big thing. It was like, you know, like I think someone said it's like a green, green envelope or something. And you'd know that that's what that was for. Well, with streaming, because it's not set up the same way, and even though they, you know, and streaming services platforms are notorious for never releasing their numbers, and so then you never know how many people watch it, but there could be millions, but they don't want to release them because then they'll have to actually be called to the floor, but sometimes it does get released anyway. And also... Half of writers now earn scale, which is the minimum episodic or weekly rate. And shows are not as long as they used to be. So it used to be 20 episodes. Now it's 10 episodes. So you're paid even less. And so they're, so that was versus 33% during the 2013 to 2014 season. So you've got that pay is just declining as you go over year by year. And I do want to say, writers will get a tiny bit of a residual check, but it's like nothing. It's like now it's like, like two, $3, something like that. Sometimes it's so ridiculous. It's like nothing. And that's, yeah, it's like a slap in the face basically. So um, I wanted to just say that's a big reason is because I think people live under this misconception that everyone who works in that industry are millionaires and most of them, most people that work within the industry are not millionaires and they're far from it. And when you're getting paid just a lump sum up front, that's what you're expected maybe to live off of for years because you don't know when you'll be able to get another project produced. You don't know if your show's going to make it. You don't know anything like that. And if you're a screenwriter, you don't know when someone's going to buy your next script. So you know, it's important to remember that if you're sitting there going, well, that screenwriter got paid, you know, like $100,000 or something, that might be something they're supposed to live off, take care of their family, buy a house, but all that stuff. And then that's, that's what they get paid. But then they have to pay managers, they have to pay agents, they have to pay other people. So that's not all going into their pocket too. And then I also wanted to point out with TV and film, it's, it's different. There's different things with it, different mechanisms, and I want to point everybody to a fantastic thread done by Angelina Burnett, and I will link this in the show notes as well. And I think it's important to read this because they go over um, the screenwriting issues that are different than people that write teleplays, you know, um, the scripts for television. So in this, I want to point out that screenwriters have been, Angelina says, screenwriters have been coerced into performing free work for 
decades. There's someone else, Michelle um, Mulroney, spoke powerfully in negotiations telling real stories of these abuses. Writers who had their careers threatened if they didn't do unpaid rewrites. The AMPTP lawyers clutched their pearls and acted shocked, gasped. They'd never heard of such a thing. Then Carol called free work, quote unquote, collaboration. And remember how you felt when you heard her quote about TV writers being lucky to have term employment? Well, this was that, but for screenwriters who rarely have term employment, by the way. So go read the rest of that that thread because that's the other thing to realize is that, you know, screenwriting, you know, when you're writing a film, it's a lot different. That doesn't, writing one film doesn't mean you're going to have a sequel all the time. So, you know, and even if you had a sequel, it doesn't mean you're going to be writing that sequel. And then the other thing I wanted to point to when I had mentioned Disney earlier, and this is from an article on Deadline by Dominic Patton from May 5th at 2.48 p.m. And this is about uh, the WGA strike. Disney is using union-busting tactics, Guild says. Sorry, Mouse House, HBO, and CBS demand showrunners work despite labor action. And they did this quote. This is from HBO and they did this in this very sugar-coated way of basically saying you're going to lose your job if you don't cross the picket line kind of thing. And this is a quote. Um, if you are a WGA member, HBO, HBO Max respects your membership in the WGA, and we will not do anything to place you in jeopardy of WGA rules. And that was from a May 2nd letter from the Warner Brothers Discovery-owned division this week to showrunners and executive producers. However, we believe certain services, such as participating in the cast process and or contributing to non-writing production and post-production work, are clear examples of non-WGA required services that should continue to be rendered during this time. So they are basically saying if you fail to provide contracted services due to the strike, HBO and HBO Max will not be obliged to continue your salary. And this was sent by a lot of different places. At the time of this, Netflix actually surprisingly hadn't sent anything um, but they probably ended up doing that too. And, you know, a lot of WGA members are saying this is actually complete and utter bullshit and a lie. And so they are threatening the people. So they're not even like at a point of saying, maybe we should sit down and really listen to what they have to say. And maybe this will really affect our bottom line and maybe we should give a crap. No, they're at the point where they are threatening people. So threatening their livelihoods. And so that's why I say I don't think this is ending anytime soon. And I think this is another, just another little part of the disease of capitalism, the part of the disease of capitalism. This shows that. And with the art side, you know, and how important creativity is to us as human beings, both creating it and consuming it. And this may be a silly thing to point to, but it it struck me is... And yes, the movie has many issues, but I want to point people, even though I've seen it a million times, to the scene in Equilibrium when Christian Bale's character, who has been living in this world where you're not supposed to feel emotions, you're not supposed to consume art because it'll make you feel and all this stuff, and he hears a piece of music for the first time. 
And just go watch that scene and that will just show you how amazing and powerful art is and how important it is to have. And like has been said, you would not have the art that you consume without writers first sitting there and coming up with that germ of an idea. The characters don't come from the studios. They come from that writer's mind and brain and their creativity. Even if we don't like it, it still comes from them. And you can't, an AI cannot replicate that feeling. An AI cannot replicate that to the same level of someone who sits there and goes, oh, I've got this character and I see them so clearly in my mind and I'm going to put it to page. And yes, that is the blueprint. And you do need the other stuff to make it become a reality. But without that blueprint, you won't even know where to begin or where to start. So you need that and you need writers and you need to pay them what they're worth. And yeah, so we will definitely continue to talk about this as this continues on. And if the Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild do strike, then we will definitely talk about that too. Um, I do want to say if any um, members want to come on and talk about this and tell people why it's so important or anything like that, you have you an open invitation to come on and talk about that as well. Um, but we will always support the guilds and it's just really despicable and disgusting to me. And also be careful of the people that you are praising that are bringing stuff to these protesters. Like look into Jay Leno and how Jay Leno um, actually really is not the best with Writers Guild. And yes, I know he brought donuts so <laughs> in his fancy schmancy car to the protesters. The man has 13,000 luxury vehicles mm-hmm. and he brought donuts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Donuts are something that you bring to the PTA meetings when you forgot that you, that it was your turn to bring something to the PTA meeting. All right. Like Jay Leno just pulled a mom who stayed up too late the night before helping her kid with her science fair project. And woke up and was like, crap, it's 10 minutes to PTA meeting. Let's grab some donuts at Dunkin'. Yeah, well, and I think, especially when you compare it to, I think, I, I I can't, don't like hold me to this, but I know that there are some late night show hosts, I think John Oliver might be one of them, who are still paying their writers while they're striking. Yes. So when you compare that to Jay Leno bringing some Krispy Kremes. Those are disgusting. <laughs> well, and then Conan did the same thing in 2007. He paid his writers. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I love that giant ginger man. <laughs> he would bring coffee too. Yeah. <laughs> and juice. Because sometimes like I like that, that combo of like the sweet and the tangy. And he would bring absolutely. something for the gluten intolerant. Okay, exactly. I think he totally would. <laughs> he absolutely would. I do love. I just have this image of Jay Leno pulling up in a Rolls Royce and like frisbeeing donuts out at the writers as he drives by, <laughs> <laughs> like a la Oprah. <laughs> you get a donut, and you get a donut. You get a donut. If you if you see the video, though, it's like he goes, he shows up there, he pulls up to the curb, he gets out of his car, and he's got these Randy's Donuts boxes, you know, and he does this clearly because he's being filmed, opens one up so you oh, can God. see the, <laughs> the donuts, and then he goes back in his car, gets in, oh my waves, God. and drives Did the off. donuts spell out, <laughs> go straight, go? 
sound even better. Speaking of unions and donuts, the Superstore episode where they think that they're unionizing, so they bring a dude and he brings donut holes and he's like, everybody grab one, one per person. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of the late night shows like Seth Meyers show and Jimmy Fallon, even though he really honestly, he uh, was called out on a couple things like he was showing his support and then he didn't tell people he went to him. He didn't show up to a meeting where they were told that they were that were everybody that was on the staff and the crew were told they were just not going to have any employment and he didn't bother to show up. He did take them on a bowling and pizza night. Is it a nine-year-old's birthday party? What the fuck? <laughs> I can't stand it. Man, union busting is so wild. I worked in a place that was trying to unionize and it is just wild, the shit that they'll do to to keep you guys from union. And what's more crazy to me is how often it fucking works. Yeah. Like... I'm sorry. I'm I'm pro all but one union. There's only one union I'm not really happy with, and that's the police union. Oh, yes. <laughs> Same. Like, Same. All of them but one union. I was waiting to hear which one I was like, Meg. Um. <laughs> I know. It's like, which one? <laughs> Yeah, yes, I, I, I will say this podcast, that's the union the podcast does not support, so. Like, y'all are, that's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and I will say now, Jimmy found that they are paying the, the crew and everybody, but, and that's the way all of them should be, um, and there are a bunch of shows that they're, that they're still filming and, like, some of the actors will go through like a back door or something to avoid the strikers. Uh, <clears throat> Ryan Murphy's latest uh, season of American Horror Story. So because the Teamsters, Teamsters are notorious for they will never cross a picket line. So they just walked off. They were like, okay, we're not going to work then today because that's how you show. Literally no one every... should ever cross a picket line. Like no, you should never cross a no. picket line. It's inconvenient and it sucks for you, but it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's the reason it's done, everybody. Okay, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode. I'm going to go around and have my amazing panelists tell me where they can be found and where their podcasts can be found. Carla from Bedwetter Behead. Thank you for asking, Erin. You can find Bedwetter Behead podcast wherever you get your uh, fine artisanal non-picket line crossing podcasts. And <laughs> you can also look for our internet presence on twitter we mostly retweet and also forget to promote our own show <laughs> that is at bed with the head pod if you want to see a void you can go there uh you can also find us on instagram at I was going to say it's a fandom thing, but no. At bedwetbeheadpod, <laughs> that's bed.wet.behead.pod. You can look at our still five, soon to be six, as soon as I have time, um, TikToks at bedwetbeheadpod. You can look for me and my art and my musings at carlatemis on Instagram or carlatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. Did you notice how she's slowly trying to gaslight you to think that it's a fandom thing is her podcast? <laughs> I am not. I would just say straight out if that's what I was doing. She's just like, you can find us at it's a fan. Oh, wait, no, oh, just oh, kidding. Uh, <laughs> I have no chill. 
I have no chill with this person and be like, hi. <laughs> Welcome to to our podcast. You should just have Carla do the intro it's the one day. It's people's podcast. And I am the people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was going to say, I just did a tiny head bob there um, for that one that time, um, which if you don't know what that is, whenever Carla says her website, I always do something along to it. Sometimes it seems very sexual. Something and I don't very mean innocent. <laughs> very innocent. Yes. <laughs> very innocent. So Jen, my podcast brain twin from my streaming bubble, where can they find you and your podcast? Uh, you can find the podcast on just about anywhere you like to get your podcast fix. Yep. And you can follow the <laughs> you can follow the podcast on Twitter at streaming bubble. No, my and that. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as my streaming bubble. I also have a TikTok, but I haven't been there in like the last time I promoted the TikTok account. <laughs> so I I don't know. I might whatever, do what you want. But make sure, make sure you listen <laughs> to the pod and rate, share, review, and do all those wonderful things. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> I'm not your boss. Do what you want. I'm not your mother. <laughs> don't cross those picket lines. Yes. <laughs> So, Meg, the other host of Bedwetter Behead, where can they find you? At Bedwetter Behead. <laughs> you can find me on It's a Fandom. <laughs> you can find me on all the social medias, but not very much of me because I'm too busy playing Merge Mansion. So you can find me on Merge Mansion. <laughs> and TikTok watching Pedro Pascal thirst traps. Still, this is not going anywhere. I may not send them to everybody I know anymore, but that's because Susie has graciously become my <laughs> my go-to Pedro <laughs> partner. She's your Pedro pal. Oh, my Pedro, Pedro pal. pal. <laughs> <laughs> Next time Jen goes on TikTok, though, she's going to have quite a few videos. <laughs> what? <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be great. You can find me, though, but you can find me at Wisconsinac on the social medias. It's W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. If you want more unhinged ramblings with no context. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> this is Aaron. You cannot follow me. <laughs> Don't follow me. She Twitter. has boundaries, people. Respect them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, all the weird people that come on my Instagram account now, but that's why it's private. <laughs> anyway, but you can follow Fergie. Fergie, Fergie, Fergie. Remember, follow Fergie on TikTok. Make her famous. Come on, people. She wants the fame. Um, at Schroeder and Fergs, that's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D. F-E-R-G-S. I know it's long, but it's worth it. That's what she said. <laughs> Without writers, we wouldn't have jokes like that, guys. <laughs> Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. Also, go follow us on YouTube as well. You can find us there under It's a Fandom Thing Pod. 
Um, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, if you'd like to come on and talk about the, the strike at all, as long as you are not one of these head people that we don't like, <laughs> you can reach out to us via our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And you can also go over to the page on there, the May 20th marathon streaming event page, and you can check out our lineup. Carla and Jen are going to be on. I I don't know if Meg wants to come and join for ghost stories or if Meg wants to come and be on the supernatural trivia or the trivia about me, but or the AMA, ask me anything, but she's more than welcome to. But Je- I do want to preview. Um, Jen and I are going to have a huge announcement and I can't wait to announce it. So you want to turn in on May 20th on our mar- on our marathon streaming channel, on our YouTube channel. <laughs> it starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time and goes to 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So that is in like when this drops less than two weeks. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. <laughs> and <laughs> on our next episode, the gang is going to be back and we're going to be talking about I'm saying like really. <laughs> You're me talking about always be my maybe. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate. The headlines remind us daily: the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com